Uh, so like I said, I got the text message late and uh, said, hey, Brett, you got it. And so I started kind of thinking to myself, God, do I have a word? Is there a word on my heart that I need to speak? And uh, my, my mind was going to an old message I did about three years ago here in Brave Hearts, really titled, What is Brave Hearts? And so I was like, all right, I'll go look it up. So I go digging into my computer and finding this old file and found it and read through it for myself. And it really encouraged me. Um, so uh, at least for that, I was thankful uh, that God led me there to give me encouragement yesterday. But it is one of my favorite messages. It's a short one, um, but it's just simple and encouraging. And really because it's about uh, a certain movie, one of my favorite movies. Because, you know, in this world, there's, I feel like there's two types of movies. There's chick flicks, and then there's good movies. And, of course, the good movies, those are for us. And those are, that's one of, those, one of those movies is what I'm going to be talking about this morning. And that movie is Gladiator. Have y'all seen Gladiator? And if you haven't, you need to go rent it and watch it because you're really missing out. It's an amazing movie. So that's where we're going to start off. The, at the very beginning of the mo- movie, this is Maximus. And they're in the Battle of uh, Germania. And this is Maximus Decimus. He is the main character. And in for this army, for the Roman Empire, he is like one of the top dudes of the army. He leads the army. And it's funny because they go and have a battle. Then right after this battle, the emperor is actually there because this was a really, really long battle. And the emperor of Rome actually came and to be with the soldiers. And so Maximus and the emperor were together around the soldiers. And uh, Maximus was like, man... You hear this king, they cheer for you. And he's like, no, Maximus, is for you. And so Maximus holds up his hands. And everyone's like, yeah. So he had the respect of his men. And that's pretty cool. And then later on, you'll see that the emperor was actually wanting to give Maximus to become the next king, to be the next emperor, because the new, that king was actually dying. But um, he didn't want his son to have it because he was very evil. And, but we'll see him later. But the beginning of the movie it has this battle, and man, it is gruesome. I mean, swords and beheading and blood. There's even a dog in there that starts fighting men. I mean, it's just crazy. And I'm thinking, dude, the producer knew exactly what he was doing, and he was spot on. For a man movie, we're going to start off with blood and war and fight. We're going to get their attention right away. And it worked for me because I was like, yes, please. That's me because what does it do? It calls out the warrior in all of us. If you go to those movies, you go to the theater, you rent a movie, and then you're at home and you get through watching it, and then you're like, oh, I want to do something right now. And then your wife's like, let's go to bed. Like, okay. Uh, but tomorrow I'm going to do something. <laughs> but this is one of those movies. It gets me every time. It stirs up the inner warrior inside of my heart. And I might not look like it, but I am a warrior, and I see myself as a warrior. And uh, like I said, even though I'm still waiting for puberty to grow a little bit, but um, I'm, I'm still a warrior. I might not look like it. But honestly, if you think about it, Jesus didn't really look like a warrior, even though Scripture says he was a warrior. Because all growing up, we saw the same picture. We saw this meek, this smiled, this gentle Jesus carrying a lamb over his shoulder, handing candy out to all the children. We see this mild and gentle Jesus all growing up. We don't really see the warrior Jesus on the walls when you're walking down the church and then there's the disciples' pictures and there's Jesus' picture. I didn't see a warrior. 
Yes, he is love. More love than anyone can fathom, but he is the greatest warrior who ever lived. Exodus 15.3 says the Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Matthew 10.34 talks about Jesus is bringing a sword. And then as we, you look into Jesus' life, um, you can actually read about all the things he did, how he went to battle for so many things. And I think of the temple of thieves, and then when he went in and overthrew tables. And I got a really good glimpse of what that might feel like, because a couple of years ago, Ed will remember this, and I think Caleb was there too, uh, we were speaking about the Easter week, Passion Week, and it was the day that we are going to be talking about uh, Jesus going and overturning the tables in our college group. And at the time, Chris Westbrook was helping the college group. So I had Chris at the stand in the very back of the room. This was in the backstage. I said, whenever this happens, I'll be like, and then they were like, then Jesus comes. And he's coming in, and he's mad. When I say that, Chris, I want you to come in and grab this table here and overturn it. There's a, I set up a couple of chairs over here, some old metal ones, and you can throw them and just kind of get mad so they can get really know what it felt like possibly. And if you know Chris Westbrook, <coughs> he doesn't do anything small. <laughs> and so dude came in, and none of the college students were looking back. I was like, no, seriously, guys, turn around and look. And they weren't turning around looking. Then Chris comes flying in the room. What's going on in my father's house? And he gets a table, throws it, and he's big, dude. So he had this table, and he chunked it. And the kids in the back rolls, and they turn around. There's this table flying through the room, and a chair flies. And one of our rectangle tables that we have back there, if you notice, there's one of them that doesn't fold correctly. <laughs> and that's because of Chris. And then the metal chairs the back came out. It was crazy. But... I really believe that's how Jesus really was. He really came in because it was a passion. It was a fire for his father, his father's house. But he really grabbed a table and threw it. There's a warrior inside of his heart, and he was ready to go take care of business. And he raged war against hell, devil, demons, sin, and the grave. He was nailed to the cross and poured out all of his blood and went to battle for us and went to the grave, and then he rose victorious. Our God is a warrior, and man, God created you with the same warrior heart. And I'm standing before you as like kind of like Nehemiah did in chapter 4 to rally the men. And Nehemiah 4, verse 14, he's calling out, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and is awesome. And fight for your brothers. Fight for your sons and your daughters and your wives and your homes. Man, that's encouraging. Because he's trying to rally the men to come and say, hey, guys, we've got to build the wall. We've got to fight. There's a warrior heart in you. And remember, you guys know the story. They end up having to build the wall with one hand and holding a sword in another hand to fight off the enemy to build the wall. Man, I would not want to do that. But men, there's a battle before you. So that's why I'm trying to stand up like Nehemiah did and rally you and let you know there's a battle before each and every one of us. But God created you to be a warrior to do this. In Ezekiel 22, verse 30, it says, God says, I look for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land, so I would not have to destroy it. But I found no one. See, God is looking for a man who has integrity, who has courage. He will stand up for those who can't stand up for themselves, to lay down his life to serve his bride as Jesus laid down his life for his bride will impart spiritual truth to the next generation. 
and will stand in the gap. Men, what is the gap in your life? As soon as I say that, I feel like every man will know of a gap that's before you. And that it, you really, like you see a movie like this, and you're stirred, and you want to go do something, you want to attack the world. Well, there's a gap that as soon as, as soon as you see the movie, you're thinking of this gap. You're like, I know I need to attack this. What is your gap? And there's a godly desire in us which makes us want to fight. But a warrior without a cause is self-destructive. So going on into our movie, shortly after this, <clears throat> a little bit after this scene, Maximus finds himself into slavery. He went from being a top dog, and now he's a slave. This is a warrior without a cause, because ultimately um, his the emperor son, like I said, was very evil, and he found out that his dad was going to give it to Maximus, so he kills his father, and he goes and gets his guards to go kill Maximus, and then to go kill his family. Well, Maximus escapes from the execution and goes racing to his family, but he was too late. He gives up. And then he ends up getting people come through and they take him into slavery. He actually had an opportunity to, to be released, to get out of slavery. But, like I said, a warrior without a cause will not fight. Now think of, y'all remember Samson in Judges 14? Dude was legendary. But so was his weaknesses. Samson had so much God-given potential, yet again and again he made bad decisions. Samson was an incredibly strong man, but with a dangerously weak will. And sadly, we can put ourselves in the same spot as Samson. With God's Spirit, Samson would slay a thousand Philistines at one time. And when the Spirit landed on Samson, he tore a lion in half. I mean, who does that? <laughs> crazy. Samson's a bad dude. But still, with all this great power, he was dangerously weak and had dangerously weak will would get him into trouble over and over again. Men, this is like us. We are aggressive at work, but passive at home. We're committed to our hobbies and we'll spend hours at our hobbies and getting better like the next working on our rod and reel, working on what your truck, whatever it is that you do, but yet we're non-devoted to our wives. We spend hours figuring out which is the best TV to buy on Amazon. We're looking for the best deal, but never spending any time in the Word. Because until you find the cause of something in which you would die for, you never truly live. A warrior without a cause to fight for will find the wrong thing to fight against. Pastor Curtis talked about that just recently in here. A warrior without a cause to fight for will find the wrong thing to fight against. This is where we go stupid. We fight against authority. We become rebellious. We begin to gossip. We begin to blame others. And then we end up hurting the people who we're called to love the most. Another person in Scripture who I like to think of, maybe a warrior uh, with the wrong cause, is Saul in Acts 8. We, taught, we read about uh, Stephen, and he, is, he gets the uh, presence of the Holy Spirit on him, and he rises up and gives the greatest message of all time. And it was the one and only message. And then afterwards, they want to stone him to death. And then that's whenever Stephen says, Ah, oh, I see heaven opening up right there. You know, that, that, that message. 
Well, then right afterwards, they want to stone him for what he said, and they take his clothes off, and they go and throw it at the feet of a guy who gives them, who goes ahead and gives them the nod, saying, kind of like in the Roman Empire, they say yes or no to kill him or not kill him. Also, the guy's like, go ahead, do it. I'll, I'll take care of his clothes. Do it. Stone him. That was the feet of Saul, the Apostle Paul. And then later he goes and asks, for a letter to go to Damascus to bring in any people that are falling the way, the Christians, to bring them into imprisonment. But then later, he became one of the greatest warriors. But at the time, he was a warrior without a cause. Moving on to the the third slide. Man, we're going really fast. Third slide. The rise, the rise of a warrior. (laughs) Guys, uh, there's a lot that happened between that last slide and this slide. So I want to encourage you to go watch it. It's a really awesome movie. But Maximus is transported to Rome to fight as a gladiator in the great Colosseum. The evil empire, evil, evil yeah, emperor, what he does to, to celebrate his father's life after his death at his supposed heart attack. Um, he throws on like 150 days of games, and it's all in the Colosseum. That's totally opposite of what the emperor actually wanted. He actually wanted to close the Colosseum. But he goes and has it, so he's calling in all the gladiators for all these battles. And then as soon as Maximus gets to Rome, this is actually his first time in years to become to get into Rome, so he hadn't seen all the new things. But he's there to go to Colosseum as a gladiator to fight, to ultimately lose his life. And he gets thrown into this battle, the Battle of uh, Carthage. And this is to replicate a battle that the Romans were in at one point. And uh, but of course the Romans win, so the gladiators, like I said, were supposed to lose. All the gladiators run in, and Maximus, and he has a helmet on. They all got a shield and a spear, and that's pretty much it. And then he starts realizing the odds are stacked up against him. But as awesome as he is, and the warrior that's inside of him, he starts talking to the men around him. He's like, "Are any of you military? Have any of y'all done this? Okay, great. You could be to great use of me and all everyone else." And then he starts talking, hey, when these, whatever comes out, we've got to stick together. We'll have a better chance of survival if we stick together. <laughs> I'm, I'm replaying the message. This is way this really encouraging. It's really cool. But they all come out, and there's all these chariots running around everywhere, and chariot wheels have blades on them, and they've got bows and everything. Anyways, he calls all the other gladiators, all the other slaves together, and they form a circle, and they grab their, their shields. And they protect themselves. They end the picture, they come together. They're taking up the shield like Ephesians' shield of faith to protect them from the devil's flaming arrows. And as you notice in the picture, there's a few people already down on the ground. There's a few soldiers out by themselves. And the ones laying on the ground, well, let me just tell you, I like this, why I like this picture, why I chose it, because this is what, best way I could describe what is Bravehearts, this is how I describe Bravehearts. We are the ones in the center with our shields up together. And everyone else is not here. They're more, they're more open to receive an arrow in their blind side. All those guys that are laying on the ground, well, those are the guys that are still laying in their beds right now sleeping because they didn't wake up. Okay, don't tell them that I said that, but... We <laughs> 
But they're the ones laying down because they're by themselves. Because we're not good by ourselves. We can only last so long. There's one guy that's standing up who's just a crazy guy. He ends up taking one to the leg. And he ends up taking one to another. He ends up surviving, but Maximus had to save his life. He took a few arrows. But all the other guys, they didn't take an arrow because they were huddled together. With each shield together, they were one. And then all their blind sides were protected. This is why we do Bravehearts. Proverbs 21, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. So I've heard this my entire life. Iron sharpens iron. And I totally get what it's saying. But I found did some research, and uh, it's pretty cool. If you kind of go back, if you know, you know, some of where these scriptures came from, where these words and where these analogies come from, if you discover exactly what was going on in their life at the time, you can understand why some of these things were actually written. And at the time, um, iron weapons, they were bronze, and they weren't very, they weren't, they weren't steel, and they weren't iron, and they were bronze. And, but the Philistines were the first one who really understood the technology, uh, really came up to the, the tools, the experience on how to create swords with a razor edge with iron. If you go to 1 Samuel 1 Samuel chapter chapter 13, verses 19 through 21. So 1 Samuel 13, 19 through 21. It actually speaks about this. Now, some scholars believe that's what they're talking about, how this kind of refers back to this, because the Philistines had the equipment, the technology, the manpower to create these iron swords, because it says in there how Israel, they didn't have this equipment. They didn't have this technology. The Philistines were keeping it secret only to themselves because it gave them an advantage over the other people. So people of Israel, they had to go to, Phil, uh, to the Philistines to get, these tech, to get this technology. But over the next couple of decades, the technology leaked out. And Israel came into possession of this newly found skill. Sometime near the age of King David, Israel began making iron, weapon, we, iron weapons for themselves. And by the time of Solomon and the writing of Proverbs 27, the making and sharpening of iron swords was a huge part of everyday life. So the iron sharpening iron process looked like this. First was the pounding out of the sword with an iron hammer. They had pounded out with, uh, with an iron hammer. They would flatten it around the edges like sheet metal. Second, they would use an iron file and or an iron ore stone to create a razor edge. And number three, they would use another piece of iron to rub and lift that edge. This would have to be done whenever the edge would become dull. So have you ever heard the saying that he has lost his edge? This is referring to the knife that has has needed to have the edge raised. So when we are spending time with each other, there's an an incredible amount of sharpening that occurs whenever we come here every week and we're getting table time and we discuss and are vulnerable to one another. There's a sharpening happening when others are speaking into you and they're praying for you. It's not in the form of a weapon of this world or not in the razor edge of a sword, but something that gives us, gives all of us the edge when it comes to going up against the evil forces of this world. And then, of course, going back to our amazing mo- movie, Maximus Decimus, he ends up 
binding his cause to give Roman to give the Roman Emperor back to the Roman Empire back to the people because that's what the emperor wanted wanted to do to give it back to the people. This guy can't reign anymore, and so through even though he was in prison, he rallied and he got people back together, and ultimately a fight came down to the emperor and the gladiator Maximus Decimus. But right before the battle, also the emperor goes and talks to Maximus, has a knife, and he stabs him in the back. Right before the battle. Even with that advantage, Maximus, of course, kills the evil emperor. And then he stands there, and as he's dying, he tells to free the slaves, to free his men, to free his soldiers, and to give the Roman Empire back to his people. And then he dies. And then, the greatest way to end the movie, all of the emperor's soldiers and all the politicians, all of them come into their Colosseum as they walk right past the old emperor and goes to Maximus and gives and raises them up and carries them out and gives them an emperor barrier, burial. Because he was a soldier with a cause. He knew exactly what he would give his life to, what needed to be done. He saw the gap. And even though he was a slave, he wasn't going to let that hold him back. So men, there's something in the heart of a man that realizes there's a cause outside of himself for which he is willing to give his life. And as warriors, we have the passion to fight. But without a cause, we can be self-destructive and passive as we grow bored. So I ask you, what is your cause? What is your cause that you're willing to die for? This is the new year. As we're kind of a couple of months in the, two, to the new year. We had new goals set out for ourselves, new expectations, things that we wanted to do. Well, let me ask you, have you broken it yet? Have you found yourself back into an old habit that you don't want to do? Is there a gap that's happening in your life? Man, call it out. Write it down. Set it before you every day where you see it, where you wake up and you see the gap and saying, this is who I am. I'm a warrior. I'm going to go after it. List a few things of how you're going to go about it. And I tell you, this place every Tuesday is a great place to get your edge lifted. Allowing other men to speak into your life to help you stay sharp for your cause. And then just to promote the very end here before, we, before I end, um, I want to encourage you as well to come join us this weekend for our men's conference. It's in Plainview. We have amazing men set up to give us messages. And I just want you to come and join us to drive the short drive to Plainview um, and meet with other men. Last year we had like 300 men or 400. I can't remember the number, but we, it was huge. And it's just for Friday night and Saturday morning, a little into the afternoon. And men, do you need your edge lifted? Do you need to figure out what your cause is? Do you need to be reminded? Well, let's go. This is the week. All right. That's used today, this morning, as momentum to propel us forward, okay? And we're going to go into the men's retreat, and then we're going to come back. And then I want to know, what's your cause? Next week, let me ask you, what's your cause? And for you, for the men of here, who are the sages, who are the older gentlemen, hey, what can you pour into the next generation? Because I tell you, this young, the young men of today, we're seeking. We're seeking it. And there's young men out there that, who I'm, I talk to and speak with, and their thoughts are, Way over here in left field. But inside them, there's a desire. There's a desire that's missing. They're not feeling it. And they need men speaking into their lives. So who can you speak into? 
who can we invite to come here? Man, I want to call out the warrior of, of you. Because if, well, each and every one of us, once, you know, once we know our cause, and once we're in the battle, and once we're fighting, we're going to make a difference in this, this city. We're going to have a miracle on Bonham Street. And it'll come. All right? Let's pray for one another this morning, men. So let me pray. God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for these men. Lord, I pray I lift up their time here as we go into the table discussion. Help us to uh, just to really be honest with one another. Um, because at that time, then, what happens is it's not, it's not shame afterwards. It's not guilt afterwards. But actually, after we speak out, we actually gain men that will surround us. And we begin to pray for us each and every day to help us caught the warrior inside of us. Lord, bless these men today in their work. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you want to sign up for men's, for 